When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Greeny with Mike Greenberg, the podcast. Greeny rolling along, presented by Progressive Insurance. Another reminder, free agency starts today. Don't bother with what the calendar tells you. Mid-March is a long way off, but free agency begins now. The Raiders, and you just heard Christine Lisi say it in our Sports Center update, the Raiders are going to release Derek Carr today. He is free to sign wherever he wants immediately. There's a lot of belief that New Orleans will sign him maybe quickly. We'll see. I'm fascinated to see if the Jets go after him. Let's see what winds up happening. But I think the first shoe to drop in the quarterback carousel begins immediately. In the meantime, we got the number yesterday. 113 million people watched the Super Bowl. There's just no way in the world that's right. There's just no way. What you're telling me is that for every three people In America, two of them didn't watch the Super Bowl? If we lined up all the people in America and said, step forward if you watched the Super Bowl, only a third of them would step forward? If you surrounded yourself with every human being you know and said, did you or or did you not watch the Super Bowl? Step forward if you did. Only a third of them would step forward. There's no way that's right. Everyone watches the Super Bowl. People who've never heard of football watch the Super Bowl. Cam's 83-year-old grandfather called him to say he enjoyed Rihanna's halftime act. <laughs> 83-year-olds are watching the Super Bowl, 8-year-olds are watching the Super Bowl, and everyone in between is watching the Super Bowl because the Super Bowl is a thing. It has greatly exceeded the usual parameter of sports. It is a cultural happening. It is an event. There are movements in certain municipalities across this country to make the day after it a holiday, and that isn't a stupid idea because everyone in the world celebrates it. More people celebrate Super Bowl Sunday than probably any other holiday we've got. So I guess what I'm trying to say is there's just no way that two-thirds of Americans didn't watch it. Hembo, help me with this. So let's let's find an explanation. Let's get to the bottom of this. How many people do we have in this country? Uh, 330 million. 330. It's exactly a third. It's, I mean, it's exactly. How many of them are under the age of one? (laughs) Well, uh... I could look. I could. Your I could twins try and look watched it, right? By the way, Bubba, you're going to love this. Lizzie posted another picture of Hembo's twins like for Valentine's Day. A little picture of the two of them wearing the little, you know, Valentine's onesies. And so I just turned my phone to Hembo and said, "Quick, which is which?" And his answer included the words, "I'm 75 percent sure." <laughs> of course, it did. He said, I'm 75% sure. And then he just made up a name. He says, I'm 75% sure Charlotte is the one on the left. You don't even have a kid named Charlotte. And, and so he does it, it. It's gotten ridiculous. But anyway, I digress. What were we saying? Oh, 113 million people. So is your conspiracy here that this is being underreported? Yes. Because if, if there were more people that watched this, the NFL would want to 
let us know. Right. So you're saying that we're, we can't possibly compute this correctly. Right. That's what you're saying. Yes. How many people do you think watch the Super Bowl? 250 million. There's no way. I, I don't think. Kidding? How in the world? You're telling me that you think that two thirds of the people in America didn't watch any of the Super Bowl. I know plenty of people that didn't watch the Who? Super Bowl. Name one. My Uncle Teddy. What the hell is the matter with your Uncle Teddy? <laughs> what did he do on Sunday afternoon? He just wasn't. He just doesn't like sports. He doesn't like. So what did he do? Whatever he would have otherwise done. What does one do when the Super Bowl is on and they're not watching? Probably it? what they do on any Sunday in February. Like this is not like we are. 113 million, by the way, is far and away the most people that will watch anything this year. You can't get people to agree on anything in this country. That's a lot of people. That's a good number. That's a big number. It's not that many people. Like, a, a third is not that many people. When you make it a third, it just doesn't sound like nearly enough to me. So you're telling me if we just rounded people up and said, raise your hand if you watch the Super Bowl, only a third of them would? That's exactly right. I think that's ridiculous. <laughs> I think there's no way in the world it's true. My mother-in-law watches the Super Bowl. The number- she once asked Eli Manning if he was a football fan. <laughs> true story. <laughs> Came to the Super Bowl. When Mike and Mike, we were doing the show in, in Miami, and he was one of the you know legions of players coming through, hawking some product or another. And she's in the green room down there hanging out with him. She's sitting next to Eli Manning, and she just turned and trying to make pleasant conversation, said, so are you a football fan? She watched the Super Bowl. Doesn't mean she knew what was going on, but she watched it. Everyone, because the commercials, she wants to see the commercials. The Rihanna, she wants to see the Rihanna. She wants to see the celebrities that are there. She wants to be able to partake in the conversation that's going to take place anywhere in America the following day because everyone else watched the Super Bowl. Every news channel has Super Bowl related programming on it not because they think everyone is interested in the games some of the people don't even know which teams are playing but people have super bowl parties they have events the super bowl is a is a larger cultural event by the way i saw that the the market share in kansas city was 87 do you think it's possible that 13 out of 100 people in kansas city did not watch no you're telling me that thir- the market share means that 13 out of every 100 people in america in kansas city watched something else right so you're telling me you're in Kansas City, Missouri, and you're like, you know, the Chiefs are playing in the Super Bowl. If they win, there'll be a parade in this town. Everyone in the world is losing their minds. Kids have off from school. The whole town is wearing their jerseys and their hats in celebration. But there's a rerun of Maud on Channel 8, and I think I'll just take that in right now. And Bubba is, is among those who changed the channel at halftime. This is not terribly uncommon. But did Bubba that. change the channel? I think it was Brandon yesterday who said he changed yeah, the I, channel. Yeah, I kept watching. I didn't no, it was you, Brandon. Bubba it was our stage the, manager, yeah, Brandon. Yeah, come on. Brandon didn't like Rihanna, and he disliked it so much. Now, Brandon's not here today, but, but Brandon, he's staying home in shame. He actually changed the channel. I said, you changed the channel during the... I can understand thinking, ah, this isn't my cup of tea. Sure. I can't imagine thinking, you know, I'm really not enjoying this. I think I'll see what else is on. I haven't changed the channel since the Bud Bowl. Nothing else is on. There's nothing else on. (laughs) Do they even counter-program? Like, can you get married on Super Bowl Sunday if you want to? Like, if you really hate everyone you know... Could you schedule your wedding for Super Bowl Sunday and then force them to choose between insulting you by not coming to the wedding or missing the Super Bowl? That would be the greatest violation you could possibly do as a sports fan. I mean, I think it would be right up there with all of them. Anyway, so this, this is more could be than I meant to say on this subject, but I am, I am very serious. 
when I say I don't think 113 million people sounds like enough. I don't think that uh, the idea that a third of the people in America didn't watch holds water. They can't possibly have the ability to account for people who go to other people's houses, right? Like that's they that's, have to have. That's what I'm trying to say to you. Us. Okay, so hold a second. Hold a second. Okay, I didn't have a Super Bowl party, but I know that my daughter went to one. So my daughter is in college. She went to the house of someone else who's in college, and she sent me a picture of this gathering. There have got to be, got to be, 30 people. in this. It's a college house. It's like, you know, the, a bunch of seniors in college all live in a house. There's got to be 30 people there. There's no way in the world someone is counting those 30 people. And if you multiply that 30, I think that this number, that at least... I, I, w- I, I would say the number is closer to half the people in America, at least. So you think at least. instead of viewers, the right or more accurate number might be household. Household. So that number then is, I mean. How many who- people live in the average American household? Like three? Three or four? Yeah, probably between three and four. Seems right. But the, a- but the average person probably watches the game with more than that but, many people, right? That's right. So you're starting to convince me now. I'm 100% sure I'm right. So what's this, the, is the number closer? Is it 200 million? You think, I think so. You think it's more than 200 million? Yes, I think it is. I think everyone watches the Super Bowl. I think it's everyone. I think if there's 330 million people in America, discount the infants and, you know, maybe like, I don't know. My Uncle Teddy. Three other people, like your Uncle Teddy and my assistant Erica, and that's it. Oh, yeah, that's right. She, 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 uh, she I, I, you know, I forgot too. to ask her if she watched this year. I haven't seen her because I was away for the weekend in, in, in Arizona. So she wasn't with me, um, but she was the one who famously last year, when I asked her what she was doing that day, she said she had a Zoom meeting. And I said, (laughs) you have a Zoom meeting on Super Bowl Sunday? And she said, oh, is that today? And that, that, that's a true story. That's that was a little etchy, yes. But she's, like, she's very short. So this is proof positive that like the, the selection bias in terms of the people that we frequent, the, the, you know, our, our circle, like the, this is a non-random assortment of people. I'm sure you could find a lot of people in this country that don't know anyone that did watch the Super Bowl. No, you couldn't. Yes, you could. I, I would be willing to bet you anything you wanted that you couldn't find anyone in this country who didn't know anyone who did no. watch the Super You're Bowl. You're wrong. You're wrong Your Uncle that. Teddy knows someone who watched the Super Bowl. He does. And so does every, every other Uncle Teddy in America. <laughs> every Uncle Teddy in this country knows someone who watched the Super Bowl. There's no way in the world you're going to convince me there's anyone in the world you, that you're going to tell me there's someone in America who didn't know the Super Bowl was Sunday. For sure. No way. 30 million people at like least. 5 million. No, like 5 people. Tops. Like, Maybe, like um, Teddy and 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 Cam's friend Evan and that's it. Those are the only Evan people. hosted a Super Bowl party. <laughs> that's my point. And what so about he, Carlos in Philadelphia? He doesn't Carlos exist. Did not know. And there is a, he doesn't even exist and he watched the Super Bowl. Good point. All right, we're greening here. Uh, we're brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. Make every moment more. We have a lot of things to get to today including one sport making a huge decision that we need to catch you up on. That's on the way and a whole lot more after this on ESPN Radio. Greeny, the podcast. Shopping for Mother's Day is usually a challenge because you wait until the last minute, but Macy's Gift Finder makes it incredibly fast and easy to find the right gift just in time for Mother's Day. Whether you're shopping for your sister's first Mother's Day or your fashionista mom who loves to make a statement, Macy's Gift Finder has so many great gift ideas that you can easily pick out something special to celebrate them both. You can shop by price, anywhere from 25 bucks and under to 100 bucks and under. You can also sort by category like fragrance, handbags, and more, or gift lists, like for the mom who has everything, pre-wrapped gifts or gifts for grandma. 
Find top brands like Studio Pro Model Beats headphones, Polaroid cameras, and Samsung smart TVs. So what are you waiting for? Mother's Day is May 12th. It'll be here before you know it. Macy's has the perfect gift guide to make picking something for mom easy this year. Head to Macy's.com slash gift finder today. That's Macy's.com slash gift finder. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. All right, all love songs, nothing but love songs on this Valentine's Day. Greeny presented by Progressive Insurance, coming to you live from the seaport, brought to you by Patron. Perfection starts with Patron. We have a little, uh, it's minor breaking news, but I think it's important enough to mention because this is part of such a huge story. The Ravens have hired a new offensive coordinator. They hired Todd Munkin, who has been doing that job for the Georgia Bulldogs the last couple of years. He has been an NFL coach in the past. He was last uh, in the NFL with Cleveland a few years ago. So he is a former NFL coach, but he's, he's been with Georgia. They've, of course, won the last two national championships. Um, but of greater consequence, what all that means is how does this factor into the Lamar of it all? Because the Lamar Jackson future, I mean, there's so many, uh, what's the expression, like, like balls in the air, right? You've just got a bunch of things in the air. The first one that gets tossed up in the air today is Derek Carr. Again, he's going to get released today, and something will happen with him, maybe quickly. Mike Tannenbaum, who opened the show with us today, told us he believes that because Carr has known this was coming for months now, that he probably already has an agreement with someone ready to go, and, and, and Mike thinks it's going to be New Orleans. <clears throat> but for the purposes of this discussion, let's just say Derek Carr, that ball is in the air. The Lamar Jackson ball, I think, it starts going in the air in a week because they are either going to put the franchise tag on him or they're not. I think it's almost impossible to imagine they wouldn't. And oh, let me rephrase that. Of course, they're going to put the franchise tag on him. The alternative is he becomes a free agent. That's obviously not what's going to happen. So they're going to tag him. And then there's a lot of things that could happen. He could choose to sign it, not sign it, all of that. And hovering above and around all of this is the Aaron Rodgers of it all. And with him, I guess all you can ever really say is who the hell knows what might happen. So all that is out there right now. But one way or another, how, if at all, should I read Todd Munkin taking over this job in Baltimore? I mean, let go of Greg Roman, who had been there for the entirety of Lamar Jackson's tenure. I don't know if there's much of a relationship there, if any. What I do know is that Todd Munkin has a lot of NFL experience, although not a lot of good NFL experience. He was Freddie Kitchen's offensive coordinator in Cleveland, like you mentioned, the year they were awful with Baker Mayfield. Previously, he worked with Jameis Winston in Tampa. To me, this is probably a nothing burger unless there's something about the two of them that we don't know. Well, so here's what it, here's what it isn't, and I'm not the person who can answer this. But if you're Baltimore and you're going forward with Lamar, then your offense is 
at least history suggests, going to look one way. And if you're in your in the back of your minds preparing for life without him, preparing for a whole new reality with someone else as your quarterback, then you might be envisioning a totally different offense. Which of those is Todd Munkin more likely to be in charge of? I don't know the answer. I, can't, I just can't imagine they're living in that world because they've not built an off ramp. The, the two teams that just played in the Super Bowl, Eagles and the Chiefs, both did that. Eagles drafted Jalen Hurts while they had Carson Wentz. That worked out. The Chiefs drafted Patrick Mahomes while they had Alex Smith. That worked out. We know that, that Huntley, Tyler Huntley, their backup, is a backup. And his performance is such that he'll never be a good NFL starter. We know that for sure. They've also built their team around Lamar Jackson's skill set. So if they do wind up moving on from Lamar Jackson, it's going to take two or three years to rebuild that offense because you're going to need all new people and they have a championship defense right now. They're going to do everything that they can to keep that guy. All right, I think that's, well, not everything that they can because if they were willing to do everything that they could, I think they would already have done it. You think so? I think if they gave him Deshaun Watson's contract, he would sign it. I mean, what, what else is he waiting for? Like, he's not waiting for them to give him a billion dollars. <laughs> like, the, the, that's the line. But here's the thing. Not only are the Ravens dealing in the amount of money they're going to have to pay him, they're also dealing with principal and 31 other teams because well, what, 30 other teams because one of them already did it. 30 other teams. Cleveland doesn't That's count. an enormous deal. For, for an NFL owner to capitulate in the way that the, the Browns did, it's not something you're going to see any other owner give away easily. No. Well, they've already not given it away easily. The question is, will they give it away at all? All right, so we'll see. Anyway, they've hired an offensive coordinator. What does it mean? We'll find out. Meanwhile, I'm ready to go right now. Green light, green light with Greeny. Right, two things I want to get in the green light here is pitchers and catchers will start reporting well, soon, right? When do pitchers and catchers? As we speak. Today? As we speak. Oh, okay. Let's go. Uh, so we got pitchers and catchers, and then we'll get spring training, and baseball's right around the corner. I have two questions for you, and the first one I'll ask to everyone. I saw on the notes over the weekend, it didn't get a lot of attention because it was Super Bowl weekend, but let me ask Bubba his opinion on this as a passionate baseball fan. Major League Baseball has permanently etched, whatever the word is, engraved. What, what, Major League Baseball has made permanent the rule about starting extra innings with a runner at second base. We like it or we don't. Bubba. Um, I guess I guess I'm all right with it. I guess I'm just kind of used to it now. I mean, it's kind of... It's kind of hokey a little bit. I, you know, I, it's not real. I, I'm, I'm fine with it. Whatever. It's fine. It speeds the game up, so let's, let's go with it. I'm so he's with okay it. with it. Uh, Hembo, are we okay with it or not okay with yes, it? Yes, this is the kind of thing for which originally I was outraged about, and then after three years of doing this, I realized this is not outrageous, so I should not be outraged. This was actually passed unanimously by the Joint Competition Committee, meaning everyone liked it, everyone wanted it, because it preserves your bullpen and doesn't require you to tax your pitching staff on a 20-inning marathon game, which we can get rid of. Well, there, are, there was, and I have been saying this for years, another way of doing this, but all of you people keep telling me that I'm wrong and I'm crazy, but it might also be very, very exciting and different and not quite as contrived if we established that the game is going to end after a certain number of innings, be that 10, 11, 12, whatever number it is we want. And if the game is still tied, it ends in a tie. We have had ties in professional sports in this country and others for hundreds of years. And I've done the research. No one ever died from it. So rather than starting an inning with just some rando on second base, we could just say, we're going to play one more inning or two. 
And if the game is still tied, it ends in a tie. We institute a third line in the standings, and we get on with our day. How do you like that? Uh, are you familiar with how long we've been playing professional baseball? 150 in the years. Do you know how many ties there have been? I think there used to be ties, right? Like in the earliest days of the game, they never had ties. What they would do is just replay the game the next day when they ran out of sunlight. <laughs> I'm not kidding. That would be a pretty, <laughs> a pretty fundamental Wait, change. Say that again. When they ran out of sunlight. They restarted the game the next day. They restarted or replayed? Like they'd pick it up where it was? No. They just, they'd start the whole game over again. Correct. If you ran out of sunlight, it was as though the whole thing never happened. That's correct. <laughs> yes, that's correct. You know what? I'm 55 years old. I never heard that before. Oh, uh, I mean, this is the first I know of this. Y- you figured that they just ended when they, like, they called it when it got dark at that point or just picked it up where they left off? You know what I never did? I never thought about it. <laughs> I never thought about what did they do when it got dark before there were lights. Nothing could be more satisfying than you going 92, 68, and 2. I hate ties. We hate ties in football. We just hate ties as a society. We shouldn't add more ties to our menu. You know what I should know? 8888 is a famous day amongst all Chicago sports fans because that is the day that they put lights at Wrigley Field. And as I think most people know, certainly baseball fans know, Wrigley Field was by far the last stadium to put in lights. They were all day games at Wrigley, and it has maintained the tradition of day games at Wrigley, which while they obviously now have a lot of night games, they still have more day games there than anywhere else. Um, I never thought to ask, and I moved there in 1985 and went to a ton of Cubs games uh, my first year in particular of college. That was a big thing to do for Northwestern students was go sit in the bleachers at Wrigley Field. I never thought to ask, what did they do when it got too dark to play? Like, it never occurred to me to ask that question. What did they do? They just replayed the game. or They didn't replay the game. There's no way in the world they came back the next day and played the whole game over again. Why not? In 1987, (laughs) you're telling me they were still doing that? I have to believe I'd know that. Wait, Jesse Rogers or someone in Chicago is listening. Mark Silverman, text me the answer to this question right now. Um, if the game was official and there was not, a, and, and the game was not tied, that's obviously they would call it the way that they would do now too. They called it on a kind of darkness. Sure, but what if it was tied? I wasn't alive then. No, you, should, I, you should know that. I, I, I should know it. I'm agreeing with you that I should know it, but I don't. Someone do the research into this and find this out. This is actually information I'm interested to know. <laughs> and I'm telling you right now, a game ending in a tie is just not that bad. Meanwhile, baseball has made permanent another change. Um, no, wrong. That's not what happened. But baseball has another thing going on that I think is very interesting that I want to dive into. We'll do that next and a whole lot more after this word from ZipRecruiter. Do you know what one of the biggest hiring challenges in uh, is – in 2023, the biggest hiring challenge in 2023 is standing out to top talent. So how can you break through the clutter and attract the most qualified candidates for your business with ZipRecruiter? They've got technology that sends you great candidates for your job, and you can send a personal invite to your top choices that helps you stand out. Get your job noticed by the best and brightest candidates with ZipRecruiter. Four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. Go to ZipRecruiter.com slash Greeny. Try ZipRecruiter for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash G-R-E-E-N-Y. Back in a moment on ESPN Radio. Greeny, the podcast. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code FIRSTTAKE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. 
And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more, more than, than ever. ever. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to gamble responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. This U.S. promotional offer not available in D.C., Mississippi, North Carolina, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 for New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. For Massachusetts, 1-800-327-5050. For Iowa, 1-800-BETS-OFF. For Puerto Rico, 1-800-981-0023. For West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. First bet offer for new customers only. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. In partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. All right, a happy Valentine's from all of us here to all of you. And we are always appreciative when you choose to spend some of your day with us here, Greeny on ESPN Radio, with the assembled members of the Hashtag crew. I would like to mention again very quickly um, that we have a book coming out, and it's not something I've mentioned this week, but um, it's a very important time for us. So the book is called Got Your Number, and I'll very quickly explain to you what it is. We were having a conversation once, a bunch of us who work on the Get Up show, about how a great number of great NFL quarterbacks all wore the same uniform number. They all wore the number 12. Terry Bradshaw and Roger Staubach and Joe Namath and Bob Greasy and Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers, and the list goes on. And someone in the room said, yeah, they all wore 12, but who owns the number 12? And that was where I got the idea. So with extraordinary research from my main man, Hembo, I've written my first ever sports book. And it'll be available in stores on April 4th. But the time to order it, if you're interested, is now. Because if you pre-order it, then what happens is the publisher says, ooh, a lot of people are interested in this and they'll print more. And so if you are interested in this book, I've written 100 essays with painstaking research from Hembo, assigning every number from 1 to 100 to someone in sports history. Some of them are uniform numbers. Some of them are teams. Some of them are years. Some of them are records. There's any number of different ways we have creatively chosen to assign these numbers. And it will, I think, engender a good deal of debate for some of you. So if you like that sort of thing, if you like sports history and debate, then I think you will really enjoy this. And if you think you would or you think you know someone who would and you'd like to give it as a gift, you can pre-order it right now. That would be the most helpful thing you could do for us if you would like to. And to make that as easy as I can, I just pinned to the top of my page on Twitter. So at ESPN Greeny, if you are on Twitter, go to at ESPN Greeny and just go to the top tweet I have pinned there and you see a link and you can order it from wherever you want. And if you aren't on Twitter or you don't feel like doing that, you can still order it from wherever it is you like to order your books. 
You can order it right now. It is called Got Your Number. The author is going to be me. Um, and we thank you endlessly for your support. So I will, as we start getting closer to it, we'll go through some of the numbers because there are a lot of tough decisions that we had to make in there. For example, number seven was agonizing between John Elway and Mickey Mantle. 24, we had Willie Mays and Jeff Gordon and Kobe Bryant. I mean, there's a lot of very difficult places that we had to make some tough choices. So we made them. We will defend each of them with essays on 100 essays. And that is the book. So if you're interested, please, if you would pre-order it, um, it would be enormously meaningful to us. Now, having said that, Bubba seems to have found instances in which baseball games ended in ties and were listed as ties. So, Bubba, what did you tell me about 1965? Yeah, well, when you look on the 1965 Chicago Cubs, they have their record is 72-90-2, which... That's 164 games. Yeah, which doesn't even make sense. But there was a game um, that went to 5.56 p.m., tied 10-10 after 11 innings, and they just called it a tie. Um, Because, again, yeah, we said it was too dark. And so it does actually make Hembo's point. Because I just went to the official Major League standings, and their record is just 72-90. and They played two additional games. Those didn't count. They just played them all over again and counted them. And you actually told me what happened with Jimmy Fox? Jimmy Fox, there was a year in which he would have tied or even passed Babe Ruth's 60, career, uh, 60 home runs in a single season. That was obviously the record at the time, but he lost a couple few home runs because games in which he hit them had to be replayed because they ran out of sunlight. So this is something that they dealt with in baseball history until they had lights, which is like the first 100 years. But there is not one instance in the history of Major League Baseball in which there has been a tie and that is counted in the standings. That, that should be, we should change that. So I would like to propose that as a change. I run on that platform whenever Rob is done, whenever Rob Manfred decides he has done enough as the commissioner of Major League Baseball, and I step in and take my rightful place in that role that I've been campaigning for now for 20 years. That's going to be my first thing. How popular will that be? (laughs) Vote for Greeny. I'm in favor of ties in Major League Baseball. That'll be hilarious. There's a better chance players will wear ties than there are. The games will actually end in ties, but I'm in favor of it. It says the Cubs played 22 home games that were suspended for darkness. Wow. That's a lot. Why don't they just Again, start they didn't have lights. They didn't have lights till 8888. That, that's not that long ago. It is insane. That I it mean, was think a, that... about that. Like, think about the very, very, very famous things that happened in baseball that don't feel that old that happened after that, the 86 World Series, right? I mean, the, the, the Mookie Wilson and, 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 and the, it got behind the bag. It gets through Buckner. That happened. There were still no lights at Wrigley Field. <laughs> <laughs> the Cubs played baseball for 112 years right. before they had lights. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and it, was, it has always been, I think, a big part of the charm. And it's one of the reasons they still have so many day games. Um, you know, disproportionate number there relative to other. I'm not sure exactly how that scheduling is done now. But when I was there, they still played infinitely more day games than any other team. And that, I think, has long been part of the charm of Wrigley Field, which remains, in my opinion, the best place to go see any sporting event that there is. Um, but one way or another, you could end these games in a tie. The other thing they're doing, I've had this sort of saved amongst my stuff for quite some time. But for those who are not paying attention, you know, the baseball season starts basically now. Pitchers and catchers are reporting as we speak, and this whole thing is getting underway. And Major League Baseball this year has instituted uh, a new thing where all AAA games, here it is, trip, all AAA parks will use the electronic strike zone in 2023. Automatic balls and strikes will be used in all 30 AAA ballparks this year. 
That is a story that I've held on to since January. Um, Hembo, is that a good idea or a bad idea? It's, it's a good idea, and I say that begrudgingly. As someone who likes the charm and the history of baseball, as someone who enjoys the interpersonal relationship between the umpire and the manager and the pitcher and the catcher and the value of pitch framing by the catcher and all the things, obviously, that have, you know, for, the, for which there is a reason to have a person behind home plate. But I have to say, like, we're smarter now. We have the technology now. And we just watched a Super Bowl in which the overwhelming biggest story coming out of it was a call that a human being may or may not have missed at the end. Baseball has the ability to get that right 100 out of 100 times. The fact that it is in AAA in all 30 parks in AAA means it's coming to Major League Baseball sooner than later. So the days of having a human being behind home plate calling balls and uh, stripes subjectively are on its last legs, maybe two or three more years, maybe as many as five. But if the technology is ready for those guys who are going to be playing in the big leagues really soon, it's going to happen. So if you're one who's going to howl at the moon at this, it's to no avail because baseball is going to look a lot different in a few years. This is going to help the hitters a lot more than it helps the pitchers. But this is another one of the Theo Epstein things that is coming. This is what baseball is going to look like. And young fans are not going to know a world in which a home plate umpire is calling balls and strikes right. subjectively. But I've never liked the, um, the argument, well, it's going to happen, so there's no point in being upset about it. I mean, you can be upset about it. Sure. If you think it's a bad idea, you can say so. Sure. Do you think it's a bad idea? I personally do, yeah. <laughs> because? Because I favor... People, like the human element, like the, 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 the human error element of baseball is not a bug, in my opinion. It's a feature. Like the, the, the umpire being the villain is a much better alternative than a player or a manager. And, you know, the days of, of yelling at the referee or yelling at the ump, like the fact that we will never have that again, a, a big league manager that comes out to argue balls and strikes on a hot day in August when his team's down nine to one, Using that as an excuse. Well, to haven't they already early? instituted a rule that if you argue balls and strikes, you're automatically ejected? They, like, you're they, not, you can't do that anymore yeah, it's, anyway. It's only so enforceable. You still see it all the time. Because those guys are no, know they're getting ejected. But that's the kind of, like, the, like you're never going to see Earl Weaver again. You're never going to see any of know, that But you're not anyway. Again. There is no Earl Weaver. These guys right now are just being told by a computer what they should do anyway. Of course. I'm just, what I'm saying is also felt by hundreds of millions of baseball fans. No, I'm with you. It's a, it is the most... It is the most fundamental change in talking about many fundamental, uh, fundamental changes that are coming. Uh, it changes everything. It changes everything about baseball. There is nothing more fundamental to the game of baseball than what is a ball and what is a strike. Right. It is determined by, for the first time ever, not a person. It's gonna ha- and there's going to be so many unintended consequences that we'll learn along the way, but it's going to change the art of pitching. It's going to change the art of catching. It's going to make certain hitters way better and certain hitters way worse. It's going to do all sorts of things that we can't necessarily predict. We can only sort of expect. We, we can expect what it might do, but we'll learn a lot this year in AAA as to what Major League Baseball m- might look like soon, but it's going to be a fascinating experiment. Okay, this is something I want to keep talking about because we will, but I wanted to do a, a Valentine's Day topic today, and I had one in mind. And then Hembo just asked what I think can only be described. Let's, let's get both Bubba and Cam up here because every once in a while, as you know, there's, there's something that I, I feel like I just want you to know. I need you to listen carefully. I just want you to know. So Hembo, tell everyone what the question is that you asked Bubba during our last commercial break. So Bubba, the question is, the differentiation between lunch and dinner, is it A, time of day, or B, the formality of the occasion. Okay. So before you answer that, in fact, you should never answer that because it's such a ridiculously stupid question that pe- people since the beginning of time have known the difference between lunch and dinner and not needed to have it explained to them. 
But because I heard him ask that question, Bubba, I then turned to Hembo and said, why are you asking that? Tell them why you're asking that question. Because I'm a good husband who had the foresight to ask his mother-in-law if she could watch our two babies today so that I could take my wife out for dinner on Valentine's Day. Okay, he's taking his lovely wife out for dinner on Valentine's Day, and so you made a reservation for what time? One o'clock. <laughs> he made a dinner I reservation. I said you're going to dinner. He made a dinner reservation for one o'clock and is now trying to argue that that can indeed be a dinner reservation because dinner doesn't have to be defined by the time of day in which it is being eaten. Right. It's the formality of the occasion in this case. This is the time of day that works best for me. I have odd hours. I wake up in the middle of the night to do this show and others. And so it made a lot of sense to schedule our dinner for earlier in the day rather than later in the day so I could do my job great, unlike Cam, yesterday. Right. Uh, that, that was, come on. <laughs> it, it does feel as though for you to try and deflect the skepticism that, that we have. And, and just skepticism? Like, yeah, just ba- we are skeptical of your explanation that this is not indeed a Valentine's Day lunch. I have no problem with you taking your wife to a Valentine's Day lunch, and, and I am the king of the early meal. I can't tell you how many times, you know, because I have been waking up these hours longer than you've been waking up at these early hours. Stace and I have been sitting in the, in the parking lot when we lived in Connecticut, we would be sitting in the parking lot of a restaurant waiting for them to unlock the door. (laughs) They'd open at five and we would eat at five. And that was a nice time. Five is an early dinner. One is lunch. I don't care where you go. I don't care who you ask. Bubba, help me with this. One o'clock is a Valentine's lunch. Now, there isn't anything wrong with taking your wife for a Valentine's lunch. Sure. But you cannot call it dinner at one o'clock in the afternoon. Bubba. I mean, there's literally not even a question i don't even uh, the fact that he even asked the question to begin with is ask borderline insane i don't even know he, he he asked a question of when lunches I, I mean, no, no, no. time out what's, time what's out happening here? Are, are you suggesting that that one cannot have a romantic meal at 1 p.m no i'm suggesting no that, that that meal is lunch yeah, no one, literally no one said that you can have whatever romantic meal you want to have is it's it, just going to be a romantic lunch okay follow up is, is there some sort of rule or inflection point that i don't know about as to what time dinner Starts in the minds of it's everyone. It's not one p.m. Yes, you just you just know it when you see it. Yeah, there is such a thing. Yes, is it five o'clock? Is Let it me ask you a question. Let me ask you a question. If you if if I bring if you and your wife if I tell you that you know what you've been working so or take me out of the equation I'm not going to be there. If your kids someday, little Michelle and the other one, are old when they get old enough to bring you like a little meal in bed, they come up, they knock on your door at seven o'clock, mommy and daddy, and we were downstairs. We made you eggs and toast and whatever else it is you want. And they come in. Are you going to actually try and ask, well, do you consider this meal breakfast in bed? Or might we consider calling it lunch or dinner? Well, it depends on what the food is being served. If they, because this is all they know how to make, make you roast chicken. If for whatever, and I, I grant you that seems like an unlikely meal for a three-year-old to make. Mm. But I'm just saying, little Michelle and the other one pop a chicken in the oven and they roast it for six hours. Yeah. And then they, or however long one roasts a chicken, I don't know. And then they bring it up to you and they say, look, it's breakfast in bed. Are you going to then sit them down and teach them that actually 
the meal is determined by what the food is and the formality of the occasion and not the time of day in which it is eaten? Yes, of course, because who would eat roast chicken for breakfast? That's foolish. Like what, how these meals are determined has nothing to do with the time of day. Like people like eating breakfast for dinner. That's breakfast. You're just doing it late at night. No, but, but, but Baba, help me. Well, I, I, I mean, that, that's the whole thing. What people always have, if they have cereal at night, that's the, they'll say, oh, I'm having breakfast for dinner because right. they know dinner they're eating during the dinner window. Yes. They're just happening to eat some breakfast foods. So that makes it very clear. A no one ever person. sits down at 7 o'clock at night with pancakes and says, I'm having breakfast. Well, they, <laughs> well, they should because that's what they're having. No, for they, they say I'm having, oh, I'm, get, I'm having a little treat. I'm going to have some breakfast for dinner. It's a little different than normal. But they always add that second part for dinner that's right. because they're normal humans. <laughs> Would I be better off? Not taking her out today? No, like, no one said yeah. that. <laughs> You're acting like you've done something wrong. The thing you've done wrong is try to redefine it for no reason at all. <laughs> yeah, Millions of people in this country today will take their significant other out for lunch because they have to work in the evening. There's nothing wrong with that. That is a perfectly acceptable and reasonable thing to do or for any other reason that they might. What I'm trying to tell you is they'll be having lunch. <laughs> Like if I called you up one time and said, hey, we need to make some plans about the book. We got publicity stuff. We got to do all that. I'll meet you about one o'clock in a restaurant where you say, OK, good. We're having a dinner meeting. Well, it just depends on what we're eating. No. If, if, I, if, if at that meal I order a roast chicken, will you say I just had dinner with Greeny when you get home at 2.30 in the afternoon? Yeah, because the chicken is hot and that equals dinner. So what, what is what are you happening t- right now? You've never eaten a hot lunch? This is the stupidest Very conversation. Rarely. All right. Uh. If there's one thing we've established. It's that baseball games should end in ties. And Hembo is abjectly an idiot. We will see you tomorrow on ESPN Without Hembo, please. (laughs) Thanks for listening to Greeny, the podcast. You can listen live each weekday morning at 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio. Or watch the show through the Watch tab on the ESPN app. Also catch Greeny on Get Up, weekday mornings at 8 on ESPN. And also available wherever you get your podcasts. 